You're listening to the Clutter Fairy Weekly, a weekly webcast and podcast brought to you by the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. If you'd like to participate in one of our live webcasts, please visit cfhou.com slash weekly. You'll find a calendar of upcoming webcasts, as well as instructions for joining the Zoom meeting via the app or by phone. We'd love to see you. That URL again is cfhou.com slash weekly. Now here's the weekly episode. Enjoy. Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. This is the Clutter Fairy Weekly for October 4th, 2022. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, certified professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. The Clutter Fairy Weekly is the webcast and podcast that digs deep into the clutter that piles up between you and the life you want to be living. We explore the habits and behaviors that lead to clutter, and we suggest strategies to slow the accumulation, reduce the collection, and comfortably manage the stuff we decide to keep. If you're new to our Zoom meeting, we want to let you know that you can share your comments and questions via the chat, and we'll try to make sure Gail addresses them before we move on to another topic. You can also use the raise hand feature if you'd like to ask a question or make a comment yourself via audio or video. We're also streaming live on Facebook, so you can share your questions and comments there, and I'll share them with Gail. Okay, we're going to start, as we usually do, by recapping last week's weekly tittle, which was called Out with the Old. The assignment was to examine an an unproductive habit that you'd like to modify or eliminate. We would love to hear from our participants live in Zoom and Facebook. Who attempted to deconstruct an unwanted habit this week? Please let us know in the comments. YouTube viewer Ms. Leanite shared a very thoughtful comment about her experiences with changing habits. The comment was a little too long for me to read the whole thing, so I'm going to summarize the first part in which she talked about having gotten herself out of debt at age 50 and having quit smoking after 40 years at age 58. Then she goes on to talk about her clutter problem. She says, the habits of procrastination, slovenliness, disorganization, those are my oldest bad habits. Going back to childhood, older than being careless with money, older than cigarette smoking, and at age 70 with mobility and range of motion issues, the task of cleaning and decluttering my domestic space is daunting. Guess it's time to assess the situation see what habits have to be abandoned and plan out the new habits to replace them. Go me. (laughs) Go you indeed. Go you indeed, right? I'm so impressed with the habits you've already changed. Getting out of debt and then quitting smoking are huge goals that lots of people struggle with for a lifetime and never, ever get there. Many would be super envious that you've completed those challenges. So if you can do those successfully, I think you can tackle getting organized. You just need to do it at the speed that your mobility allows. Since you feel daunted by it already, slow and steady is the best way to go anyway. We're here for you, so dive in and let us know what we can do to help. I believe that you can do this, though. If you can quit smoking, (laughs) organizing is going to be a piece of cake. That's my theory about it anyway. Dawn said... Just like I include cleanup time for crafts, I realized that I need to do the same thing for when I'm at my desk because it's so easy for it to get unruly. Mm. Yesterday, I spent, yesterday, I spent over an hour cleaning it up. Isn't that amazing that it takes an hour? It seems like it shouldn't, but, <laughs> but you probably have been letting it sit for a little while. So the idea of cleaning it up and resetting it 
and then making it the habit that you reset it when you're at the end of working uh, some kind of work session at the desk is a great idea. Really good. It'll help you stay on top of it. Uh, Catherine said having surgery. So getting home ready for normal habits to uh, safe after surgery limitations. Yeah. Cause I'm sure you will have some, I can't do this. I can't bend that way. I can't lift more than three pounds. Like there's all kinds of restrictions when you come out of surgery like that, that limits your physical capacity. So making it easy for you to deal while you recuperate is some good planning on your part. I'm glad you're thinking of it. Excellent. Okay. I think we should get right to our topic because we have an, <laughs> we have an awful lot of content prepared. We may not even get through it all, Okay, but we'll give it a try, right? Right. We always do. We make hundreds of decisions every week about what to buy, what to discard, where to shop, what to keep, what to give away, and who should have what we don't want and, or need anymore. Today, we're going to consider ethical, social, and environmental questions, the answers to which might guide and influence, influence our choices about stuff. In our effort to leave no corner of the cluttered universe unexplored, today we want to tackle a few aspects of the clutter problem that we don't talk about very much. Ethical, social, and environmental issues that can impact our choices about stuff. This is a challenging topic because it's easy to wander into the minefields of politics and morality, and we don't really want to go there. No. <laughs> Let's start by talking about our survey results. We received even more interesting and well-thought-out responses to this week's survey than usual. In response to our multiple-choice list of ethical considerations, here are the statements that elicited the strongest positive responses. Number one, it's important to consider the health, safety, and well-being of the person or people with whom I share my home. 60% of the audience strongly agreed with this statement. Clutter impacts everyone in a shared space, some more than others, based on their current health. Number two, it's important to consider other ways in which I could spend my money as I consider buying more stuff for my home. More than half of our respondents strongly agree with this idea. If you think about it, for all the money you spend on stuff, could you take a fabulous holiday or eat an expensive meal or make a meaningful donation to a cause? Number three, it's important that my belongings never become a burden to anyone else if I become incapacitated or after I die. Almost half of our audience strongly agree with this statement. Way strongly agree is way out on the on the on the choices there. So we're talking about people that are really passionate about it. We're of an age when we know what this is like. Most of us have been through such a loss and dealt with the belongings afterwards, and we know how hard it is to dismantle somebody's home. What's interesting is the, the statement in that list that got the lowest response rate was it's important that my beneficiaries respect my wishes and desires with respect to my belongings. So that, that's interesting. And that may be, that may be sort of a, a selection bias about our audience because we've talked about that a lot. Right. You know? <laughs> so we may have kind of shifted, shifted the thinking of a lot of the people responding right. to the direction of, you know, once you're gone, it, you, you, you're not really going to be able to obsess about what they're doing with your hummels. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> so we asked our audience to share lists of ethical, social and environmental concerns that influence your choices 
about what to accept, buy, to keep, to give away, donate or recycle or discard. And here's a sampling of some of the best answers. One anonymous respondent shared when buying, consider the quality of the item. How long will it last? Great suggestion. And I think we often filter that for price. Oh, this is cheap. Therefore, I'm going to buy it. But the next question might be, how long is this going to last? What's the quality of this item? Is it worth is it worth buying it cheaply if it's not going to last very long? Darlene said, I prefer to buy items that are sourced or produced locally and to buy directly from the source if possible or from small local shops if not. It's important to reduce as much use of plastic as possible. And I prefer to buy products from companies that share my value or at least that are not trying to actively undermine my values, which are progressive and inclusive. Laura shared, I don't accept free samples or giveaways. I don't accept any utensils from a takeout or delivered food order. That's a good one. I donate unwanted items regularly and I make sure they're clean and in good condition. And Rhea had this to say, waste, don't encourage producers of junky items by buying their products. And health, plastic has far reaching effects on us and the environment, I avoid it when I can. So I could tell by, by these responses that people are really thinking about how can I be buying in a more responsible way and disposing in a more responsible way and also prevent the influx of stuff that's coming that I have to deal with on the back end. And as someone who has, you know, like six bags of those little inserted plastic utensil packets that comes from food from clients that I have to go and donate to the Houston Food Bank. I agree with you. If you don't have, if you're not going to use those plastic things anyway, don't take them with you. <laughs> give them back to the people and let them give them to somebody else. Now we're going to ask a bunch of questions about the ethical, social, ethical, social and environmental implications of this stuff. And we want to encourage our viewers and listeners to think about your answers to these questions. Ed and I have our own answers to these questions, but we're not trying to sell you our thoughts here. We want you to consider what's important to you based on your values so that you can make your own choices about what's important to you. It's okay if you don't have answers yet to all these questions. We just hope our questions can get you thinking and asking even more questions and looking for your own answers. So here we go. First question, for any new thing that you're contemplating buying, what is the real cost? For example, what resources go into the manufacturer? How scarce are those resources? What is its impact on the environment? What's the expected useful life of the item? And how difficult would it be to reuse, recycle, or dispose of it? Who made it? Were they paid fair wages? Did they work in conditions that protected their health and safety? What's the item made of? Are the materials sustainable? Meaning, can they be replenished without doing permanent or irreparable harm to the environment? And one of the things that jumps out in my head is products made out of bamboo instead of cotton. Somehow bamboo seems to be a more sustainable product than cotton. <clears throat> What's your responsibility to the people who want to give you their stuff, either as an inheritance or gifts to you? Once it becomes yours, it's really your object to make decisions about. 
an inheritance may specify how and where things will be gifted and donated. But after those instructions are followed, you can make decisions. So here's an example. Uh, Grandma willed the diamond ring to you, but now it's yours to do with what you want. So if you don't love the diamond ring, then maybe you can make a different choice. Sell, donate, give to your family. Next question. What's your responsibility to the people who inherit your stuff? One responsibility I would think is leaving them information about what you have and what its value is, either monetarily, the value monetarily or the value sentimentally to you, why you kept it, why it was important to you. Um, transferring that information so that or giving them some idea what it was about helps them know why you thought it was important. Well, and that's, I think that's very important context to provide. You know, it's one thing to say, here's exactly. all this, here's all this stuff. Here's my it, stuff. <laughs> it was important to me. Take, you know, take my word for it, that it's, that it should be important <laughs> to you. And I think it, it's really, it's a real service you can do for your kids and grandkids and whoever you're, or whoever you're leaving stuff to, to share why it's important and why you want them to have it. Right. Where it came from and why it was valuable to you. That's a, that's a, that's the part of stuff. That's all that information that's in your head that doesn't transfer with the item. So you have to figure out a way to make it transfer. Um, you also don't want to be leaving it with a huge cleanout burden. And so thinning your possessions down to what's most important to you or to them and not leaving room after room stuffed full of untouched unknown contents. You should know generally what you have in all areas of your house so that it's not, you know, a huge clean out of things I haven't thought about for two decades. Next question. What's your responsibility to your community and the less fortunate? If you're a person living with more than enough, sharing some of those resources, especially when the extras are not important to you, is part of being a supportive member of your community. You can support direct family members too, but if your family's in good shape, then finding others to receive your excess is important. Next question, what is it costing you to keep your stuff? Is it costing you comfortable, safe, and secure, healthy living space? Maybe it's costing you storage fees if some of the stuff is in paid storage. It could be costing you peace of mind if you feel trapped living with too much stuff to manage. And it most importantly could be costing you a social life if your stuff is isolating you from interacting with friends and family. I hear that a lot from clients, actually, that... They don't want people to come over. They're embarrassed to have the repairman come in. They, the, you know, their kids don't want their grandkids to come over because they don't feel like the house is safe. There's lots of ways that when clutter reaches a certain level, it starts to affect your social life in a very negative way. Let me share a couple of comments before we <laughs> continue with the, with the list. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Jane said, my state, uh, that's California, no longer allows restaurants to provide napkins and plasticware with takeout orders unless the customer Ooh. asks for them. That was a wise regulations change. Right, regulation I like that change. one. I agree, and it's it's a win-win too because, well, I mean, it's a, a little more thought has to go into, you know, I, I suppose if you're having the in-person transaction, 
employees have to be trained to ask or right, right, right. to be, to wait, to be asked. But, um, you know, all the stuff, I think constantly about all the stuff that we throw away that, that just gets thrown by default into takeout orders. If we don't make the conscious choice to, to say, no, no, don't give me any of that stuff. Don't give me 14 packets of ketchup. Don't give me 5,000 napkins. Yeah, exactly. Um, Samudra asked, what kind of lawyer do you need to execute execute your very small estate? Do you know an answer to that? I I do so, not. So there are lawyers who specify, you know, who work in the area of estate planning. And so it's, as opposed to I'm a criminal lawyer, I'm a defense lawyer, I'm right. you know what, there are people that work, I'm a contract guy, I'm, you know, and so there are people that do estate work only. Um, but if you think you have a really small, um, if you have a really small estate and you don't think that it's super complicated, then I think it's, you can probably go in the state where you are and look up uh, legal aid. There's likely some legal aid services where lawyers donate their time to provide services like that because writing a simple will is a pretty easy thing for them to do and they can give you the forms to fill out and make something happen and not have it cost you a bunch of money. Well, um, so. and they're also online will generating uh, sites and applications that you can use. You just have to make sure that it's valid in, in your state, make sure yeah. the fine print says that it's va- will be valid in your state. And then you, pro- you still will have to file it with a court. Yeah. Um, and I don't know the specifics on that, but you, you do have to have your, will record it you know you can do it yourself and you have to have it recorded somewhere and it's probably a good idea to have it reviewed by an attorney to make sure that um you haven't tried to do anything that you shouldn't that doesn't make sense right yeah yeah i mean but there are all kinds of legal aid support all around the country and so you just have to reach out a lot of them are associated with universities um, uh, you know, there's nonprofit organizations that provide it. And so if you just start doing a little research about legal aid in your state, um, I'm sure you can come up with some supportive services that won't cost an arm and a leg and that can get you a will done it and tell you what to do with it, like how to file it in the state that you're in. They will know exactly what needs to be done. And so it's worth uh, getting the resource in your state. Emily Sue says, actually write down the meaning of the item. I've forgotten everything my grandmother told me about certain things I have of hers. I know, right? Because you hear it once and you think you're going to remember, but you don't always. Yeah, my um, my grandmother tucked little pieces of paper, like on the backs of pictures, and we found things inside boxes, and <laughs> she put little notes on things. This is from, you know, great aunt, whatever, or this is what her what she wore in her wedding, or you know, there was all kinds of little commentary and we would find those little notes as we were going through stuff and be like, Oh, isn't that, that's so cute to know that. And so we just kept little notes with the stuff. And even if we ended up donating the item, it was still fun to have a little moment of my grandmother's handwriting and the little note that she was telling me about the stuff. Yeah. Katie says the stories of the stuff are the most important. I also really appreciated when my grandmother passed on some items 10 or more years ago so I could enjoy them and she could know I enjoyed them. She's still alive at almost 100. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yes. And I think that's important too. Like when you start to surrender the stuff, 
you, you don't always have to let it be after you're gone, right? Like, why not give it away and and watch people enjoy it while you while you can? So I think it's a valid point. Anita shared, I'm including a commentary on the mass photo of my mother-in-law's jewelry, which I sent to my niece, which indicates which pieces have special importance or memories. Some oh. I simply don't remember, but some have inscriptions from World War II or religious significance. Oh, there you go. So anything that you can pass on will be important to them and they'll be valuable for them. It's nice that you're doing that. And Paul, sure shared, it. Paul shared, my attorney is an estate planning attorney, yeah. but you can find someone under probate attorney. And yeah, uh, Jane said, also mentioned elder law as a Oh, term. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's sort of a, a category, right? Elder law. So it includes uh, wills and estates, but also includes, you know, elder care and things like that. There's people out there. Just do a little, you know, do a little search in your hood. <laughs> okay. So another question on our list of ethical considerations today. What is it costing the people who could use your unneeded stuff? There's lots of people that are living with greater stress, worrying about their family's needs and suffering from lack of resources and having a lesser quality life. So anything that you don't need could be supporting their reduced stress, making it easier for them to have a better quality life. On that note, uh, actually Dawn sort of anticipated this point. Ah. She said, this past weekend, I took a grand step of growth. I had $20 of Kohl's cash for those who are not, uh, I, I don't know how, how, widespread Kohl's it's, is. Kohl's, Kohl's is not is international. A, it's a, it's a it's department, a store. department store. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had $20 of Kohl's cash and $5 worth of reward money. I got three tops for children as part of Operation Christmas Child. Fill shoe boxes as gifts of various, with gifts of various items instead of just things for me. I got Aww. $57 worth of things for $1.51 because the rest of it was free. That's awesome. And how great you didn't have to shop and add something to your house. You shopped with a purpose to support someone else and you're going to give it away and it's not going to stay in your house. That's awesome. That's that is a great shift in attitude. I like it. Uh, Dawn also mentioned a job center where I live at one point offered free wills and lawyers came to do them pre pro bono. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's there's all kinds of ways that because they anticipate that this is a problem for low income people and or for people that don't really have an estate that is worth a paying a really expensive attorney to make a will. And so there's uh, there, like I said, there the resources out there in a million different ways. OK, OK, next question. What about landfills? When we talk about throwing things away, is there really such a thing as away? <laughs> So let's look at this really scary stat of the 100 billion garments produced each year. 100 billion is so beyond my comprehension. <laughs> I can't even like every year we make 100 billion garments, 92 million tons end up in the landfill. That means that the equivalent of a garbage truck full of clothes goes into the landfill site every second, which is so horrifying to me i can't even i can't even believe it how awful that is and it changes how i look at shopping when i'm standing there buying stuff and i'm thinking 
oh my God, how much of this stuff is going to be in the landfill next year? I just can't even, I, I can't even process that. And so um, I am not a big shopper for clothes for that big reason. That's one of the reasons anyway. Oh, okay. So until there's a better way, removing trash and all the associated health tra- hazards that go with trash is really important for your health and standard of living. We don't want to add to the landfills, but the trash exists and the better, it, better that it's congregated in landfills than in your house. A house that becomes a landfill itself is a very dangerous place to live. And we don't want you to be living in a landfill. So although we don't like to add to the landfills, we don't want your house to be the landfill. If there has to be trash, we need it to move on to the correct place so that it's not a health hazard for you. Next question. When we buy cheap stuff that's manufactured in China, what are we supporting? Maybe substandard wages and work environments for a couple of options. The stuff is cheap because the people supplying it are using the cheapest labor and the cheapest facilities to make it. And you're getting a deal based on someone else's suffering. If the item is inexpensive, what corners do the manufacturer or the retailer cut to deliver that price? So it's always fun to find a deal, but then you have to wonder, what are you getting for the deal? What are you really getting for the deal? Next question. What are we teaching or modeling for our children about our values when we have a bunch of clutter? Children are so impressionable without the ability to understand the nuances of any situation. We teach them behaviors without them understanding the real nature of why things are necessary. So holding on to clutter may start as teaching thriftiness, but it may end up teaching fear of scarcity instead. We also want to teach the concepts of gratitude for our abundance, caring about and supporting others. And we can show those values by donating excess to help others. Next question. What is our responsibility to the other people who share our space? It needs to be safe and healthy living space for all with all the residents being able to physically navigate without getting hurt or trapped in an emergency. That is such a big one for me. I worry about people when I go in their houses and it is super, super crowded. And the, you know, I'm not a skinny person. (laughs) And when I navigate and, you know, my, uh, I, my hips are, struggling to get by something or knock things off the table or whatever. And I just keep thinking, Oh God, you know, I worry about what it's like when it's very narrow and cramped and difficult for people to get into a space or to move around in it. And I, I immediately think of two firemen, two big burly firemen and the, the gurney that they're trying to get in to the house and how hard it would be for them to be running that through your house to get to you. There are others that are affected by giving up living space to stuff and what may feel like a cozy or secure tightness amongst the stuff for you may feel cramped and claustrophobic to somebody else in your house. So sharing space means compromise about breathing room versus it being cozy. And last but not least, (laughs) right what is our responsibility to ourselves 
Although we want to get you thinking about responsible consumption and the best ways to share your excess with other people, we don't want you to get stuck in putting the world's needs ahead of your own. As the saying goes, put on your own oxygen mask first. (laughs) Your urgent need to live in a clean, safe, clutter-free environment must sometimes supersede the other factors you're trying to weigh. Be gentle with yourself. Do the the best that you can for other people and the rest of the world, but don't forget to take care of yourself and your needs in your own home first. I think that's that's an important point to make. We don't want you to keep the stuff and have the house not be safe and healthy for you in order to not put it in the landfill. If you're just recreating the landfill in your house, then um, better that you uh, put your own oxygen mask on first. <laughs> okay, let's let's share some comments. Okay. Uh, Anita said, if it's a, talking about wills, said if it's a really small estate, you could use Rocket Lawyer. I use them for powers of attorney and will amendments and have a subscription for a dollar a month. Yeah, that's an online resource. Yeah. Um, D in the Sierras mentioned most important to have a health directive. Yes. Yes. And that's one that we don't think about because it's like the medical power of attorney. You don't think of that. Uh, a regular power of attorney doesn't give the right to do, make medical decisions for somebody and a medical power does. So you have to have a medical power and, and a health directive is like, I, I don't want extraordinary me- measures. I don't want to be on uh, life support. I don't want to be, uh, you know, yeah. force fit. There's choices to be made about what measures, what medical measures you want to have done to keep you alive. Keep you ticking. Mm-hmm. Um, Linda said, I've compiled short explanations for important stuff explaining its significance. I keep a copy in my genealogy paperwork, but make sure to pass the info on. Um, I need to keep and, the copy in the genealogy. That's a good idea. And Kristen said, Anderson Cooper has a podcast about grief, which is excellent, by the way. But he mentions going through his mother's items after she passed, and she left notes for him also. Oh, isn't that sweet? I can't imagine going through um, Diane von Furstenberg's house. <laughs> that, must have been, that must have been fun. <laughs> wait, is that, I, wait, is that who's, I thought his mother was. Oh, am I crediting the wrong person? Sorry. I think so. Um, Sorry. Uh, Anderson Cooper's mother. Sorry, I have to look this up. Oh, Gloria please. Vanderbilt. There we there go. You go. Thank, thank, you. You. thank, thank you. Sorry, thank sorry. You. Wrong, wrong fashionista. Sorry. <laughs> I knew that. I just didn't pull it out right. <laughs> Janice, who's uh, watching uh, with us on Facebook, said, go on YouTube and watch the documentary called Dead White Men's Clothes, which follows the fate of clothing from Goodwill type stores to third world countries and how they end up in their oceans and landfills and choke waters. Oh, God, that's scary to think about, too. Yeah, we've created this whole industry in the United States about fashion and the constant changing motion of it. And it's just it, it has created this downstream tsunami of crap that we no one had any thought about what was going to happen. And here we are trying to deal with it. Anita said, I was really annoyed that I saved all my electronic recycling for a county event only to find I had to pay by the pound for loose pieces 
and $10 a screen or refrigerator item, total $68. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you spent the money and had them Thank recycled you. responsibly. Right. I'm sorry it was painful. Um, and and good on you for doing it anyway. <laughs> on the topic of uh, buying quality, M said less expensive items are frequently harder to care for than quality items. That's true. It's easier to destroy them. They're thinner. They're not as sturdy. There's all kinds of reasons why it's harder to take care of them. Yeah, you're exactly right. And so it doesn't it's. You save money to have the item, but then it costs you more an effort to keep it in good shape. You're trading, um, you know, less money for more work on your part. And, you know, the older that we get, the less of a trade that is. <laughs> we don't want to add more work to our burden. And so, Definitely um, you not. know, thinking about that, spending the money up front so that it's easier for you to manage over the long term, it becomes more of a consideration the older you get, right? Yeah. You know, my my story about that is I when I was in Italy in 2001, I bought a nice Italian leather jacket and um wore the heck out of it i love that thing so much i was wearing it every single day and so i wore out the lining over oh my the next goodness five years or so and probably you know popped off a button and and also it you know get they get a little scuffed up and i spent quite a bit of money on it and so when i went back i took it the next time i was in italy years later i uh went back to the same same shop and said i would like to you know pay you to fix this uh, you know make this renovate this for me and they actually said oh no you don't you don't pay us for that we just do it we, oh! we, we stand behind our stuff and so awesome you know I, I paid i don't know it was several hundred dollars it was a lot of money for me at that time but they stood behind their work and replaced the lining and polished it polished up the scuffs and i got a jacket back that was good as new and you know a cheaper jacket i would have just had to throw away mm -hmm. at, at that point i think how great that they rehabbed it for you that's awesome yeah i only finally got rid of it because it was too big for me eventually because i lost i bought it at a i bought it near my high point in right, right, right. so if i ever get back to italy again i will buy one that fits current me <laughs> Darby said, I'm very picky about clothing and towels now, environmental and social concerns. It takes more time, but I found at least two companies I absolutely love. One uses recycled materials and is made in California. The other uses organic cotton, is GOTS certified, and is made in Portugal. Oh. Got, GOTS, G-O-T-S. I, I, don't, I don't know what that stand, I don't know what that standard is, but I'll, I'll look that up. Do you know? That's God, awesome. You know no, God's? no, no. I don't know what that is. We'll and Cindy, Cindy shared invention of the year is a company in Peoria, Illinois, that created plant-based material, 100% biodegradable. Oh, that's helpful. It, she didn't say what, what types of material. I'm not sure from uh, uh, the context, maybe, maybe clothing. Yeah. Fabric. There are more people doing, you know, different types of plant-based yeah yeah, yeah. there's lots of a uh, bamboo place bamboo yeah. based fabrics now i have bamboo socks 
and they're very comfortable and you can't, it's like, you look at them and think, how is this, a, how is this ever a bamboo plant? But, <laughs> but somehow it is. And so, um, and they're super comfortable. Yeah, Linda said, Linda said, as I went through, as my kids went through the trashy stage, I'm not sure where that is in, in child development. <laughs> what, what years are the trashy stage? I, I do remember my, some of my sisters going through trashy stages. <laughs> I required them to leave a space wide enough for a gurney and emergency personnel to get to their bed. Oh, there you go. They have to dig out the hole. Exactly. Well, good for you to think about it and have them think about it as kids. That's, that's not a bad thing. Like the ambulance need to be able to get to you in your bed. <laughs> and You know, for little kids, there's that whole, can the firefighters get it? Can the, you know, can they get in and rescue a kid and you don't want them crawling over crap to try to get to your children, right? Yeah. There's all kinds of considerations around the stuff and your own safety. <laughs> Eileen said, good one, Linda. Appeal to their teenage sense of drama. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's good. Oh, Dar Someone asked for the names of the company. So Darby shared um, Beyond Yoga for clothing and Delilah Home for towels and sheets. Okay. Awesome. Um, Qual uh, best of all, quality and costs less quality and costs less than luxury brands. There you go. That Very does nice. it. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no worries. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, M shared if we would refuse to buy clothing made from synthetics that won't decompose, our clothes could be recycled much more efficiently. Right. There's That's so true. many things out there that are just crazy manufactured petroleum product fabric yeah and cotton recycles very well but cotton has a little bit has a problem with requiring a great deal of water which is why people are moving yeah. toward other other plant-based fabrics that are that do not require as much water yeah water and uh pesticides i think yeah um jane said i find it very hard to throw things away that's made me more conscious of what I buy. It's important to think about the thing's full life cycle that we're responsible for once we buy it. And right. I think it's it's also very important. Um, and someone made this made this point in the chat. I think someone said this on Facebook about sending things. No, no, that was Marsh here who said something about sending things back to the companies that produce them, asking them to make their make their packaging more environmentally friendly mm, mm -hmm. and even if you don't want to go to that step you can you know you can email or tweet at companies if you get if there's something if there's a product you really like to use and you have objections to the way it's packaged send an email to the company go find their company website and send them a message saying love your product but could you please reduce the amount of packaging involved yeah sometimes the packaging is just nuts it's outrageous right yeah and uh, there's a lot of packaging that's designed to get it safely to you but i think there's also uh, a lot that is just designed to make it easy to package quickly and so that you end up with way more packaging than you need well and i, I especially in in electronics accessories a lot of the packaging is designed to make things hard to shoplift, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. you might be buying some little tiny doodad and it's got this much, you know, it's got a, a cubic foot of plastic wrapped around it. <laughs> Trying to keep it from, you know, so that you can't just shove it in your pocket and walk out. Exactly. But, you know, they have, they have, the stores have the, the manufacturers want the stuff not to be easily stolen. And there, there's a point to that. And, you know, maybe there's some compromise to be made in the middle. Yeah. There might be some smarter way to handle that. Right. Exactly. Try a little harder. Right. Um, Susan shared, I worked for an international retailer I won't name. Whatever clothing they didn't sell, they shredded. They didn't want to degrade the brand by donating it to those in need or third world countries. I remember being horrified when I learned of this environmental impact. Can you imagine? I saw that too. And the idea that they just, I mean, I, I see their point. We don't want to dilute the brand by just making it all available wherever, but shredding it really and without you know shredding it and then it goes in the trash so then you don't end up with it's not like they recycled it some way or come came up with a way to make it be useful as cast off and that was just like oh god really isn't there something better they do that with books as well and it's very horrifying <laughs> look at books be destroyed yeah. because they didn't sell Claire said, this is a mortifying thought, but while you may donate your old clothing to charity, the truth is, even then, a whopping 84% of our clothing ends up in landfills and incinerators, according to the EPA. Right. We're trying so hard to pass it on, but we have created a monumental burden. And, and I think that that's why it's important to, A, get it, get it out to, to the possibility of somebody having it even if it's only, you know, 20% and then be being more considerate about what you encourage by your shopping. Right. Bring home, bring home less, bring home less, wear it as, wear it as long as you reasonably can. (laughs) And don't, and don't buy cheap, fast fashion. Don't encourage their manufacturer. Don't participate in that food chain. And, um, you know, that's one way that you can impact their process. Here's a, here's a topic we really didn't dig into, um, but Emily Sue said, I've recently realized that I have belongings that conflict with my religious beliefs. I'm working on getting rid of them because they will hinder me spiritually. Oh, there you go. That's a good way to filter and send it on to somebody that doesn't have the same issue with it that you do. That's fine. Great, great way to add to your uh, filter process. Yeah. Um, Marsh said, I have my Levi's just perfectly faded from my high school years. Love these Levi's. <laughs> yep. We all have something that we can wear forever, right? And loving those Levi's. Levi's hold up, man. They're, they're serious. They do their job. And if you can still wear them, good for you. Not all of us are that are still that thin as I was in high school. Good Lord. I can't even imagine it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I would have to lose a, a bit more before I could get into anything if I had saved anything from high school. I, <laughs> right. but I tended to just wear I tended to wear jeans out, believe it or not. I would you know eventually wear wear holes in various places. Into various you know? places, yeah, yeah, exactly. Good for you, Marsh. <laughs> not everybody can say that right? Oh, Darby shared GOTS is global organic textile standards. Oh, there you go. Probably if I'd thought about enough, I could have worked that out. Right. (laughs) Since we were talking about clothing. Um, That's a good one though. 
Marsh said the fall shows in New York, 12% of clothes were recycled. Lots of talking about how good the quality is. Cool. And Susan shared, there's an ethical company in Wales called Hiut, I don't know how you, how you pronounce H-I-U-T, which makes incredible jeans. They pledge to repair them for free for the lifetime of the jeans. Oh, wow. The only problem with shopping from Wales is like, then you got to order it online and wait for it to come and hope that it fits and return what doesn't. And that gets a little complicated, but. Right. Well, or look for, oh, how dis- cool. you know, see if maybe they have a, have a, have distributors in other distributor. countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That'd be great. Um, Susan asked, does anyone know to where to recycle cotton clothing? I have some stuff that is too worn out to even donate. Do you know a, a location in Houston? Well, well, actually, Goodwill does cotton recycling. So if you donate it and it's cotton and they don't want to sell it, they will bundle it for cotton recycling. <clears throat> and they sell some, I think that they sell some to rag companies and then they sell some to other people that are like um, shredding it and using it for filler and other stuff. So there's, um, they do capture cotton for recycling through Goodwill. And have various vendors that they sell it to. Janice said, since I began watching about five months ago, I have not purchased purchased a single item of non-food. I think first, where will I put this? Do I need this? And I shop at home. There is something Yay! I am fi- finding <laughs> so real about what you were saying. And I refuse to leave a mess for my adult child. Things are going out of the home, not in. I am so proud. I am so proud. I love it when people say to me, I shop my own home. That is the bomb because it is complete change of thought about how you need to source stuff and use what you have and, and make use of you want, you have a solution in mind, but if you can't solve it, solve it with something else that's in your house. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'm so proud of you. You make me so happy. That's like, <laughs> that's like the ultimate when somebody starts talking about shopping their own store that's like oh my god you have you have made my head explode i love it so much (laughs) awesome because the truth is there's so much stuff in your house that you don't even know is there that you have forgotten about and if you go digging you will find things that you can use and so good on you i'm super proud good 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 and five months of doing that means that your house contents is shrinking at a steady level and you are going to be with a much less less of a burden that you have to manage yourself and i'm super proud of you for that you just made my day sister i spend years with clients trying to get them to shop their own store you have no idea how long it takes me to convince people sometimes don't go no don't buy it online no let's go see what you got Go look at your own store. Love it. (laughs) Ingmari shared, I bought a Burberry coat in London, 1980. After years of overweight, I can use it again. That's awesome. Burberry is forever. (laughs) Right? Yeah, they they definitely last. They're very well made for sure. Good for you. And Janice on Facebook mentioned DonateStuff.com. She said they take cotton to recycle for rags. Oh, there you go. That's so a that, good one. That's one to check out. Okay. 
So we probably should go to final thoughts because we need to get to the tittle. The final thought really about this topic is that these questions that we're encouraging you to consider, they're really meant to clarify the choices you make as you go through the process of decluttering. You might use questions like these to give emotional weight and a sense of purpose to your organizing. We're all passionate about different things and the things that you care about deeply might help inspire you to take action at times when a self-focused point of view doesn't really do the trick. When taking care of yourself isn't quite enough to keep you moving, consider the good you're doing for your family, your community, and the world. And, uh, and as always, keep up the good work. We're so proud of you. We are. <clears throat> okay. I want to remind everyone that we'll be back next week, Tuesday, October 11th, 2022, at noon U.S. Central Time. In our last four episodes, we've been exploring our relationship with our stuff from several different perspectives, our idea of a good life, emotional responses, habits and behaviors, and today, ethical principles related to our belongings. In our next episode, we'll wrap it all up. We'll review the elements of the personal philosophy of decluttering and offer some practical tools to clarify decision-making. Join us next week for Everything Depends on Execution, Decluttering Philosophy at Work. That's a Sondheim reference in case you didn't recognize it. All I right. love all your titles. They're so awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. How about a tittle? Okay, this week's tittle is called The Five Commandments. This week's assignment is to draft a list of commandments that you'd like to follow as you make choices about what to acquire, keep, or let go of in your decluttering efforts. We've decided on five as a manageable number to work with, but your list may have as few or as many items as you really want. So you want to brainstorm a list of ethical, social, or environmental standards or principles that you'd like to keep in mind as you shop, organize, and declutter your space. Share and discuss that list with other members of your household who share responsibility for shopping, household management, and other decision-making in your home. Post the list in a prominent place so that you can see it and refer to it on a regular basis and set a date in a few months to review and revise the list to evaluate how well it's working to limit your accumulation or to guide your choices about what to keep or set free. Um, we're just trying to give you another frame of reference to help you uh, let things move on from your house so that they're not um, choking you out. So um, this having this list of standards will give you some more frame of reference as you make your choices and good luck we'll wait to hear from you next week if you're watching this on youtube we would love for you to join us live to get notifications <laughs> about upcoming events we invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com meetup you can also follow us on facebook by visiting cfhou.com facebook or join our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com slash subscribe. We love to hear from you. So please send your questions, comments, and topic suggestions on YouTube, Facebook, or anywhere that you find us. You can always reach us through our website at clutterfairhouston.com. Thanks, everybody, for coming today. I'm going to throw up one more sign, and I'm going to say um, I think that there are people who catch the videos by accident and they don't realize that we have a whole channel so if you're on the youtube channel you already know this but if you're listening to the podcast 
cfhou.com slash YouTube gets you to our channel where you can see all the videos of us talking. It's the same. Um, it's the same audio clip. It's just a video that goes with it. And right. um, there's uh, we got a whole bunch out there. There's 230 something now. Something like so that. We've been talking about this for a long time. We have plenty to share. So glad you came today. I am so happy to be here and not feeling deathly ill. So this is like, woohoo, all is better now. Have a great day and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.